I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Hello, and welcome to the show. This is Once Upon a Gene, and I'm your host, Effie Parks. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. You are the best support community in the world, and it is my honor to produce this podcast for you. I hope you're enjoying it. If you're new here, please don't hesitate to reach out with any questions or feedback. If there's anything I can do to help you beyond this podcast, find me on my website, leave me a voicemail, whatever. I'm here for you. I have a super cool mom on the show today. She uh, has a son who was diagnosed many years ago with hemophilia, and she was told that she was just a carrier for the disorder. This assumption, born from the fact that it's mostly men who are diagnosed with hemophilia, meant that she shouldn't look any further. She was in the dark about her own health. She didn't have answers as to why she had arthritis in her joints and why she was having heavy bleeding on her on her monthly periods. She just chalked it up to like, this is the way that her body is. This is the way that her life is. And it wasn't until she was hanging out with other people living with hemophilia where they encouraged her to actually check her levels and see if she was in fact experiencing symptoms. And she did. And then she had an even tougher road ahead for a while of being completely dismissed by the medical field because women are just carriers. And I think if we've learned anything from Taylor Kane from Remember the Girls, that they're a lot more than carriers. And this mom is out there storming the castle to let everyone know about it. She's an awesome advocate. You're going to love her. She's doing really great work. Please enjoy my conversation with Stormy Johnson. Hello, Stormy. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm really looking forward to talking with you. There's a lot going on in your world, Stormy. You're a parent, you're a caregiver, you're a patient, and now you're a patient of multiple disorders that you keep finding out about. So let's kind of roll it back a little bit. You're a mom to a son who has hemophilia. Yes. And you discovered it when he was about three years old. Can you talk about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I grew up knowing that I had older cousins, male cousins in my family that had something wrong with their blood and they didn't play football. That was basically all I knew because they were much older than me. And, you know, we were just in a small town in the South. So it never affected me. I never thought about it. And so when my son was about three, he had his tonsils out. And I think it was about day four, he woke up in a puddle of blood. I mean, a puddle of blood. It was terrifying. So we rushed to the hospital. He has emergency surgery. And I always look back on it because the ENT said, my first thought is a bleeding disorder. 
but he's not bleeding anymore. So I don't think that's it. And I had no idea. So, you know, I just went with the flow, whatever she said. And he was in the hospital for three days. And then a few weeks later, he had blood in his urine. But he was born, or well, when he was a toddler, he had a blockage in his kidney. So I assumed it was something from that. And we were in Atlanta area at that time. So I called Memphis where he was born and talked to his urologist there. And he told me who to be seen by here. And they couldn't find anything. So we just happened to have an appointment with the pediatrician. And I'm going through everything. And she said, you know, years ago, I had one patient with a mild bleeding disorder. I think we should check him. So... That's kind of how that journey began. Um, and then I you know, went on to find out that, yes, my cousins did have the hemophilia B, you know, like we do. And it's interesting because in the South, a lot of people say we were free bleeders. And that's just what was normal for my family. Everybody bruised. Everybody had bloody noses. Everybody had bad periods. So our normal we didn't realize was actually abnormal. Well, I was going to ask about family history. You said a, a lot of the dudes in your family had bleeding things, but you didn't know that it was hemophilia. It was just kind of like a joke in the family that you're bleeders. Yeah. Yeah. Free bleeders is what, and it's interesting because I travel around, you know, speaking and it's interesting when you bring up that term, most people from the South go, yeah, I've heard that. Everybody else is like, what? <laughs> you know? So yeah, I mean, you know, everything from really bad periods to, like I said, my mom, you know, she bruised really bad. I think after every pregnancy, she hemorrhaged really bad. And back then, even if we would have thought about hemophilia, you know, it was just thought that women only carried it. So it was never really looked at it. It's quite interesting when you start looking back at the history and you go, we're lucky to be alive. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. When you found out your son had this bleeding disorder, was it pretty quick to get treatment for it? Like, did everybody know what to do at that point that many years ago? Yeah, um, it was. And actually, we were at the hemophilia treatment center that morning um, for blood work. And, you know, the doctor said, I'm pretty sure he has hemophilia. You know, probably a mild case. I want you to ask your family history and I'll call you tonight with the answers. And he did call me like at 730 at night. And sure enough, it matched up because I had gotten a hold of my aunt. And yeah, right away, treatment was pretty easy. And him being mild, he didn't need much treatment until he had about 12, 13. And then he's actually a mild that was put on Prophy, which you know, is preventative. So instead of only infusing when you had an injury or before a surgery or something, he was actually infusing once or twice a week, depending on activity because he was having knee bleeds. So how did you figure out that you had hemophilia B? Oh, man. <laughs> so it's interesting, again, I mean, my history is crazy. So my very first period at 13 years old was 10 days. I was at Disney World. I'll never forget. I start my period at Disney World, first period. And <laughs> I was always tired, anemic. Um, I had endometriosis on top of everything. At 18, I think I had my first laparoscopy and had to have a blood transfusion. My sister and I, when we would lose molars and all as kids, would wake up with our you know, hair and face plastered in blood, bruising. I mean, just so many things, but it was never questioned. And especially when I started having menstrual type problems, it was, oh, it's just the endometriosis. It's just the endometriosis. You're a woman. You know, you just are a woman that bleeds a lot. And I would have sometimes like 42-day periods, 45-day periods. 
you know, stop for a little bit, go again. And they put me on Lupron, which is for prostate cancer. <laughs> so I took those injections for a year, so I didn't have a period. Then they put me on a pill continuously for two years, so I didn't have a period. And I'd had four miscarriages, um, just, I mean, so many things. So after my son was diagnosed, we got really involved here in Georgia in the local chapter, and I helped at camp every year. Loved um, just people again. That's just kind of my passion, helping. And the young girls, I would sit and talk with them. And, you know, as always, what is your diagnosis? You know, what do you do? Blah, 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 pounding in their head that they needed to know these things. And one day I was at a table talking to them and they said, well, what are your levels? And I said, well, I'm a carrier. And they're like, well, so are we, but we have hemophilia. And I'm like, what? You know, I didn't understand really. I mean, I knew they had it, but it just never dawned on me to think about myself really. So I decided to go get checked and the nurse calls me with my results and she told me the number and I said, so I have hemophilia? And she says, I'm not sure. I don't really know what this means. And I was like, I'll take care of it. And so from there, I went to, you know, call the HTC and um, that my son went to, and they referred me over to the adult one. And um, I would love to say that life was great after that, but unfortunately it was not. My big thing is I say all the time, just because a woman has a diagnosis of hemophilia does not mean she is treated properly. And that's been a huge hurdle for a lot of women. Oh, that's really heartbreaking and frustrating that it took so long and that it was just kind of normal for you and that you lived through 42 day periods. Yes, I think I was 47 when I got diagnosed. Oh my gosh, that is heartbreaking. I love and hate that you had to say, I'll go ahead and take care of that. Yeah. Thank you. But I'm glad I knew. Yeah. Let's talk about how women aren't necessarily being treated properly and perhaps not believed. How has that experience been like you in getting your treatment and advocating for yourself and feeling like your diagnosis is recognized and it's real? After I was diagnosed and I went for my first appointment, I had just kind of found Facebook and started finding groups and learning that women were having bleeding issues, but yet we're, you know, saying you can't have hemophilia, you're a carrier. So it was right about the time that they're starting to look at women. And I go in and I was so excited because right away he says, I'm diagnosing you with mild hemophilia. And I was like, yes, they didn't call me a symptomatic carrier. So I was excited. And he said, I'm going to give you a dose to have for an emergency that you'll probably never have any trouble. You know, you'll, if you have a surgery or something, we'll, you know, we'll take care of you, but you can come back every two or three years. You'll be fine. And I said, well, you know, I have a lot of hip issues. Could I have had bleeds or be having bleeds? And I knew I had an upcoming surgery on my foot. He said, well, probably not at your levels, but we'll, when you infuse for your surgery, we'll evaluate how you feel. So, okay, you know, my surgery was a couple of months away. My son's nurse came out one day to help him with some infusing things. And I was moving around and she said, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what a bleed feels like. You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> She's like, well, you have medicine. Let's just infuse you and see. That's the best way to know sometimes until you learn. So she infuses me. I feel better. I was excited. I called the doctor's office and the nurse calls me back and says, 
that the doctor said it was the placebo effect that I shouldn't be feeling better. <laughs> and I will say my levels are on the higher end. Um, so with hemophilia, you have severe, moderate, and mild. And severe is less than 1%, moderate is 1 to 5, and then mild is like 5 to 50. So that's a huge range compared to moderate and severe. And I'm around 34%. My son's about 9 or 10, depending. But I bleed more than my son, even though my levels are higher. So I was very disappointed with that statement. I, I had, you know, factor with my surgeries and things. And the next year I saw a different doctor there. She said, well, maybe it's just arthritis. And I'm like, does factor help arthritis? And she said, no. I said, well, that's not what it is then because it is helping me. She's like, no, I just, I really just don't think at your levels you should be having bleeds. And so there was a couple of times I would have a bleed and I'd call and they'd be like, no, that's not a bleed. Don't do anything about it. Well, I would infuse anyway because I'm like, I was told my son's whole life, if you're in doubt, infuse him. When in doubt, infuse. When in doubt, infuse. But why aren't you telling me this? So the third year I go back, I see a different, I asked every time to see a different doctor. And, and through all this, I'm meeting woman after woman who was saying, I'm having horrible bleeds. I'm, my levels are 17% and the doctor won't give me factor. Or they'll tell you, oh, if you have a surgery, let me know and we'll see what you need. And a mom who told me she sits in the parking lot at the hospital and takes her son's factor before a surgery because she's afraid she's going to die on the operating table. That's terrible. And it just lit a fire under me. So I decided to find a private hematologist. I said, if I can't get what I need from this hemophilia treatment center that is there for everybody with a bleeding disorder, I'll find someone who will treat me. And about this time, I was asked to come on board um, and help run a nonprofit for women with bleeding disorders. So I started public speaking about that time and just learning so much. And again, I was this little country girl who could never imagine myself, <laughs> you know, speaking in front of people, but something about it just made me so angry. And I think it's because I looked back at my life and all that I had been through, all the pain, all the suffering, you know, everything that if someone would have just taken the time and looked, they could have said, wow, she's 15 and she's bleeding for 40 days. <laughs> that something's wrong, you know. So the private hematologist put me on Prophy. My life has been so different. I don't have near as much pain. But I've even gone back to the treatment center and they still look me dead in the eyes and tell me that I will never get Prophy from them. They don't know why I even come back if I have a doctor willing to give that to me, that I do not need it. But in the meantime, I flew to Vegas to see a treatment center out there because I knew the nurse practitioner was very helpful in the community for women. And right off the bat said, yes, you should be on Prophy. I, I don't even have to check your levels. I know because of all that you're telling me. And she, you know, checked all my uh, genetic mutations. And I, I did have like a BWD, which is von Willebrand's disease, and a couple of platelet mutations that with the levels, they shouldn't affect me. But with it being so many on top of the hemophilia B, it makes sense. And she found out that I have the hypermobility type, um, Ehlers-Danlos, and I had two other mutations for it. So she, you know, agreed you should be on Profi. I'll work with your private hematologist. 
And from there, I sent my son, my daughter, and my sister out to get genetic testing also. And I just went back a year ago to the HTC, well, probably not even a full year ago, to the HTC and tried to talk to them. And I said, just like my son and every other man with hemophilia gets comprehensive care, I'm here because I need comprehensive care. When I go to a physical therapist because of back pain, they cause a bleed in my hip. I need a physical therapist that knows. And they just basically shut me down. You know, we'll be here for an emergency, but we will not give you profit. I can't even believe this. Yeah, and my story is not uncommon. I mean, I could name probably 30 women right off the top of my head who who have tried it and it's not getting treatment. A lot of women don't even try because they don't feel like they're going to be treated. Man, that makes me sick. You know, I think about I think about a young teenage stormy who's having these 40 day periods. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you feel isolated because it's different from all of your friends and nobody's helping you into adulthood. You have miscarriages and you find out about your son and you do have this like lingering knowledge of your family history and no one's bringing it up. No. And what was interesting is even before I found out I had it, Dr. Sidonio, who, thank God, he believes us women, <laughs> he uh, was doing a study. And I was at the clinic with my son and his research nurse is like, can you go over, you know, this, we're trying to look at carriers. And it was, you know, think back to your period. And, you know, she's got all these little diagrams of what your pad would look like. And I'm like, <laughs> do you have one that's like 15 of those? You know, and it was just <laughs> funny because it... It's a common story, you know, now that I'm out there speaking to women and it's just sad. It it really breaks my heart because I found a voice and not all women can. Being in hemophilia groups like on Facebook, do you feel like you get the support that you need or that you were looking for when it was probably filled with mostly men? I, I think honestly... About the time I at least really joined social media, the women were starting to be looked at. And there are, were a few men, and there probably still are, who were just adamant that women could not have a bleeding disorder. But all in all, men have supported us, especially if they have daughters. I mean, I've got some male friends that will stand up in the middle of a national conference and say, if you're going to call her a carrier, you call me a carrier. I I gave it to my daughter. Mm, That's a powerful statement. So the support from men have been, has really been phenomenal. Um, I think more in the beginning with my son, I felt like I didn't know my place as a mild because for so many years we didn't have bleeds and we weren't having issues. And then you see somebody over here, you know, that's got a port or they're infusing all the time or missing out. And I felt like, do I even have a right to be in this conversation? You know, (laughs) but what I quickly learned was that doctors worry about their mild. If you're male, (laughs) they worry about you more because you do miss a lot of bleeds. And so I think I had to learn a lot of different avenues into the world But that was more, I think, my insecurity, because once I started bringing up those insecurities, people were like, no, you you have a bleeding disorder. I don't care if you're mild. You know, if you have a bleed, you have a bleed. If you don't, yay, we're happy you're not having a bleed. That was important. And 
I can't speak for other communities, but I, I think the bleeding disorder community is phenomenal. I mean, we, I have some friends that I have met that I couldn't imagine my life without right now. Males, females, you know, it's, we're just like, especially the hemo beef community, because we are so much smaller and we have our own nonprofit that, you know, we do things. And it's just amazing what you can do when you have support. I'm glad you brought up that mild, moderate to severe hemophilia, because I did kind of have a question about it. It annoys me, and uh, and yes. I might be out of line saying that, you know, not being someone with hemophilia. But you're right. Hemophilia is hemophilia is hemophilia. And if you have a bleeding disorder that can kill you, should it matter that it's mild or severe? Right. And that's been the big thing that women, we keep saying, stop looking at our numbers and treat our bleeds. You know, it doesn't matter. If, and Dr. Sidonia, some of his studies have even shown women. So if the cutoff is at 50, he, his studies have shown that some women at 70, 80%, I believe, are still having bleeding issues. But because the paperwork says we shouldn't be bleeding, people don't believe us. And World Hemophilia Federation, they have the cutoff at 40%. So that hurts us even more. And they know that with men... Your levels don't matter necessarily how you bleed. So why is it different with women? And there was a doctor, I don't know who he was, and I wouldn't call him out anyway. Well, I might would, but (laughs) um, (laughs) he actually said to somebody in the beginning with this women's stuff that he would never waste factor on women. Oh my God, stop. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That should be like malpractice. Yes. Or something. Yes, you would think. It's not okay. Uh, I saw a photo of you and your son injecting your factor together. And I just wanted to know, what did that feel like? That actually is the first time we've infused together. Um, We were both at a national event. And believe it or not, the doctor who told me it was a placebo effect saw me limping around because I had twisted my foot. And he actually told me to infuse. (laughs) So it was bittersweet in a lot of ways. And A lot of moms have a lot of guilt that they passed along the gene to their kids. I never felt that way. My kids and I, my family, we've always had health issues. So to me, I just, that's what God gave us. That's what we deal with and we move on. And I I just never had that guilt. So for me, sitting there and infusing together, I'm so happy that my daughter snapped that picture. And it was just like, wow, you know, I can understand him more and it, it was just kind of a proud moment because I was proud of myself for finally, you know, not giving up and finally finding out what was going on with me. And I was proud of him that, you know, he's infusing himself and uh, he's, he learned at 11 years old. And, and to be honest with you, I've only infused him one time. Um, he, once he learned, he would never allow me to infuse him. So he's infused <laughs> I was going to say, he's probably pretty good at it by the time yeah, you well, came on board. he's infused me more than I've infused him. Wow. But, you know, that's what you want. You want them to know how to take care of themselves. And, that's right. Um, but, yeah, it's it, my son and I, I'm close with both of my children, but my son and I do so much together in the community. And he has a heart for the community like I do. And he recently moved away to another state. And it's been very hard on this mama's heart. <laughs> but I'm proud of him. And I miss him because we did. I mean, if I was going to a state to, you know, cover a walk or whatever with my job, he would go with me. And um, I love watching him, you know, speak to younger kids, and but yet talk to a mom and ease her 
her worries too because here he is 23 years old and hiking all over the United States and you know doing camping and just things that when you're first diagnosed you're terrified your kid's never going to be able to do. Wow in your uh, advocacy work that you're doing now you're part of something called Portraits of Progress and which is so beautiful by the way you have to look at it Portraits of Progress but you mentioned that you hadn't been involved with the hemophilia community like your son had it you were doing your things and then you were diagnosed and you found this great big world and i'm sure obviously a lot of it is the whole female thing and not being believed and not being considered hemophiliacs but what about that changed for you when you just decided to jump in and become an advocate yeah again I was terrified, like the speaking or even, you know, talking to doctors. I was just, you know, again, raised in this small town where doctors kind of knew everything. And, you know, now I've learned so much and the world, I mean, it's just crazy because I've had so many opportunities that I would never imagine me doing. And I always say, and it's just from, from my heart, it's never about me. I really don't care if if anybody ever knows my name. You know, I hope one day somebody says, there was this woman who worked really hard to make sure my daughter had proper care. But I don't, I don't really, it's not about me. It's about, I don't want my grandchildren or my friends, I don't want any little girl to have to sit in class and be afraid to stand up because, you know, they may be bleeding everywhere. Or be on a date and, you know, have to go in the bathroom and you lie and say you're sick to your stomach because you don't want to tell your boyfriend, huh, really, I'm bleeding everywhere, you know. I don't want a a girl to have to sit in a doctor's office and be looked in the eyes and say, you lost another baby. So everything I do is for the community. And I've been blessed. I mean, like I said, I've been able to public speak. I've been on so many advisory boards. I've run nonprofits. I podcast portraits of Fox News came and interviewed me. And it's taken me a long time to, like, I don't want to say be proud of my role as an advocate, but to embrace that I am making a change, you know, and not just, oh, I didn't want anybody to be like, oh, look at Stormy. She's just out there. Storm, storm. Because again, it's not, that's not what it's about. And so it took me a long time to really say, you are doing good work, you know, and whether people know your name or not, you're doing good work. People are listening to you. National, you know, programs are asking you to be on their advisory boards because you listen to women and then you can be their voice. So that's been an amazing journey for me and for my family, you know, for my son, even my, my daughter too. She's not affected. We're still looking at bleeding disorders with her because she maybe platelets. She has a lot of issues too. But, you know, just, just to watch my husband become an advocate for women because he's seen what I've gone through. And so, yeah, it's been an interesting place and time. And Although I'm sad of what my life was up until six, seven years ago, I really don't think if I was diagnosed at 18 or anything, it would have made a difference because I didn't think women could have it. So I think it was God's perfect timing and I found my voice at just the right time. Wow. I loved, I loved that. That was a really beautiful discovery. And, you know, you have like this calmness about you that is very approachable and you grab attention from just that. And I love when you're talking about being that person who made sure, who's who's working to make sure that 
little girls coming next, coming behind you, or even women who haven't ever been believed or dared to speak up can find their way because of the advocacy that you're doing. So I think that's amazing, Stormy. And I had like all of these ideas of um, some graphics you could use about Stormy storming the castle. So maybe for another (laughs) time. (laughs) Um, But really amazing work. Thank you. And I don't know if you know about the bad blood. There's a documentary, if you do not. Um, It was from the 80s when I think it, I don't remember, like thousands of people with hemophilia caught HIV and hep C and the Ryan Wyatt and all that. But those men and mothers worked so hard to find and get to get safe blood products and to make sure my son and myself had safe treatment that I want to be that for their grandchildren, their daughters. You know, I want to be that person that helps pave the way for just a different life. Like I said, I don't, I don't want a little girl to have to sit there, young woman. You know, I have friends in the bleeding disorder community that have had hysterectomies in their 20s. I had to have one at 33. You know, that should not be happening. Uh, wow. I also want to shout out a couple uh, resources. One, I know you're connected with our buddy, Patrick yes. James Lynch from Bloodstream Media. And I'm so thankful of the work that he's doing. And it sounds like you and your son are deeply entrenched in some of the resources that they provide. But also, remember the girls. I'm not sure if you've heard of yes. it. Yes. Our, our friend Taylor Kane, yeah, started a nonprofit for exactly this, right? Women who are X-linked carriers of diseases that they don't believe women have. They don't believe they have the symptoms. They don't believe they develop any problems. And her mission is very similar to yours. And she's taken she's taken that and moved forward with it. And it's created a really big impact. And it's a safe place, right, for yes. women to go to and charge forward together in making change for women of these diseases, not just being referred to as carriers. Yes, I have looked at some of her stuff and was, you know, amazed. That's always been my dream, too, is to have a nonprofit for women. And I keep saying one day, because the one I used to work with closed down and I would love to have it just for the bleeding disorders because it's definitely needed. But I also just have a heart for women with chronic illnesses in general because of all the things I've been through. Well, Taylor's always accepting uh, volunteers, so go go over there and see if you can make some magic together. Yes. Uh, Okay, real quick. I saw today that a gene therapy is going to be administered for hemophilia in Germany. How do you feel about that? What's the buzz? I'm excited. (laughs) It's a little scary, if I'm being honest, but I always talk about and and in fact at NHF this year or national one of our national conferences I saw my son's old hematologist and I looked at it and it's funny because I feel like I've watched her grow up she was just a baby you know young new hematologist and I told her I said I'm so proud of you because she's just done amazing work and she, I said I feel like I watched you grow up and she said you did <laughs> you know and we laughed and I said but I still remember you know my son sitting on the bed and you're in the chair or the stool and I'm in the chair and you look at him and you put your hand on his knee and you said, I believe you will see gene therapy in your lifetime. And I remember sitting over there just kind of laughing under my breath on, yeah, right. Okay. (laughs) You know, and here it is. He's 23 and here it is. Yeah. I do believe that, and I don't know enough about it to to say a whole lot, honestly. um, But I think from some things I've heard, I think for hemophilia B, they've had a little bit 
more success long-term with gene therapy than with A, but yeah, I mean, I, I do know some people that were on the trials for A and B, uh, their kids, and they've done well. And so I, I can imagine, um, you know, going from severe, especially, to, you know, maybe not having any bleeds or maybe moving more into the mild category, which again, doesn't mean a whole lot to me on some occasions. I think my biggest fear is, and this is just not gene therapy, this is in general, because there's a lot of new products that are um, long acting and moving people into the mild. I just don't want people to think because they've moved into a mild range that they're not going to have bleeds. And then we end up with a whole new generation of people with joint damage because they didn't think they were bleeding because they were mild, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Never taking your guard down. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, Stormy, do you have any advice or nuggets of wisdom that you want to leave for women and girls who are listening? I think that it's important to keep records, take pictures, write down anything, speak to your parents, anybody, sisters that maybe can shed some light on things you may have forgotten about your childhood. I, I realized that yeah, I had kind of forgotten about the, the teeth bleeding so bad until my sister and I talked, and I remember my ankles bothering me a lot. And so I think it's important to have that kind of timeline, but more importantly is don't give up. If you feel that you are truly having issues, don't give up. You can fire a doctor. You can go to another doctor. You don't have to go to the treatment center. They're better. If, if you're being treated properly, they're better because they deal with that but there are other options and there's always someone out there that will fight with you. You just have to find them and don't be afraid to speak up, you know? And I think, unfortunately, I think women have to fight for a lot of health issues. And this one though can be life or death in the wrong situation. So I think it's important to fight for yourself, fight for your, your girls and fight for each other. We, I, something as simple as, and I bring this up a lot, stop calling yourself a symptomatic carrier. We can't want to be treated like a, a man and call ourselves a carrier. If your levels are low, you have mild hemophilia. We have to start saying the correct terminology to be treated the same. Mm. Okay, Stormy, how can people contact you? Where can they find you? My friend and I actually run a Facebook group called Sisterhood for Women Who Bleed. We have an Instagram also. And I'm all over everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I'm, okay. I'm all over you know, Facebook. <laughs> I mean, it's under Stormy Johnson on Facebook. I'm happy to share my email address, you know, whatever. I can share all that with you if you want to have it on hand in case someone wants to reach out to me. Or Yep, great. We'll have it all in the show notes. Yeah. I really appreciate your time today, Stormy. I'm so happy you are here in the world speaking up for women and girls with bleeding disorders. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for all that you do, too, to bring awareness to just so many things. It's my pleasure. I hope you have a great day. You too, Stormy. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. 
Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate y'all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you. Ha 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 ha!